Welcome to the Magic Hour here at the Forum Club at the Athletic LA. Brian Kimenetsky, Andy Kimenetsky, coming to you uh, Monday afternoon following the memorial service honoring Gianna Bryant and Kobe Bryant at Staples Center. Andy, it was um, it was a it was a pretty amazing event uh, put together where you know between the speakers and the performers, uh, Vanessa Bryant spoke, uh, Jimmy Kimmel hosted, uh, Michael Jordan. Shaquille O'Neal. There was there was a tremendous amount of of sort of power behind this, but in a way that honored both Kobe. A lot of focus on Gianna and and what she was working towards as a as a you know potential WNBA player and had that dream. You know, Gino Ariema spoke. Sabrina Ionescu. It was just it was a cool day. Yeah, I thought they struck a really good balance, Brian, between. Obviously, the the solemn nature of what brought everybody into Staples Center in the first place, and you know the the tragedy of it, but also, <clears throat> excuse me, just being celebratory of the lives that were lost and their accomplishments, and the spirit of the people being remembered. Um, you know, there there were a lot of there were a lot of moments, even from somebody like Vanessa Bryant, who I was not expecting to speak to speak, much less. As long as she did and as beautifully as she did and with that type of composure, but everybody, I think, really made a point of sharing these happy moments and making sure that the people themselves and, and who they were and what they represented were being remembered as well as just, you know, acknowledging the sadness and the tragedy of it. I, I thought... Um you know, as, as people kind of came through, there were so many themes that were kind of important that, that were reflected throughout the day. And, you know, some of it was simply expressed by Jimmy Kimmel, really the beginning. And he, you know, he got up and was kind of broken up from the beginning, but he talked about trying to find a, a positive from this, some, something that you could take. Uh, and there really aren't any, uh, but the closest thing you come up with was this concept of gratitude and being grateful for the time with your family, the time with your friends, what we all have left. And doing so in a way that, you know, kind of, kind of reminds you of the immediacy of life in the way that this tragedy did. I, there, there was that. And, but from there, I felt like that was expressed throughout and then it became like you said this sort of celebration and finding out these little details and things about these two people particularly that we might not have known more more detail about Gianna as a basketball player more detail about Kobe as a father and a husband um and a competitor that we might not have known about and that's these are the types of stories that I think help you know in a place like LA and the fans of LA and Kobe and the Lakers, because it's the stories I think that bring the happiness and remind you of the good times and the things that you love about these people. Well, I mean, there's also there's a personalizing element to it, Brian. I mean, with with Kobe seeing these sides of his personality that go beyond just what was on the court, and you know, and the sides of him that you know were really more human, because Kobe's persona was so much larger than life, and he was such a cult of personality, and in particular. The Black Mamba persona that was, you know, supposed to be just killing whatever is in front of him right. on the court, unfeeling, unsparing. And there, you know, there were sides of Kobe that you and I, even as people that didn't know Kobe well, but were around him for a lot of his career, we saw parts of it. 
but you get more details of that. You you really get you know uh, an increased richness of that humanity with Kobe, and then with somebody like Gianna Bryant. And I mean, it's unspeakably tragic when you're talking about it with a 13 year old. But the one thing that we really knew about Gigi was her passion for basketball right. and the bond that it created between her and Kobe. But then hearing people like Vanessa Bryant or Rob Palinka speak about Gianna Bryant's personality and, you know, like her Vanessa Bryant talked about how she was at a young age, very interested in women's causes, you know, like she wanted to advance women's basketball, but also advance the playing field for women in general. And that was something she was already cognizant of. At, you know, as a young, young you know, she teenager, was, took you know, she was super maternal and attentive to her baby sisters, and like all, all of this stuff. You know, she loved to bake cookies. She like, you know, she the little things. She made that, she made Kobe a birthday cake for his you know last right, birthday was, from scratch that apparently was really, really elaborate and and you know and and so many of these ways. And Vanessa talked about this, and it was one of the more gutting moments of the, of of the ceremony. Generally, she um, was incredible. She was, Man, but it. Was really incredible. You know, we have, we have kids. Um, you know, people have like your your kids love their parents. You love your children, and and it's not a question of, of more or less or whatever. But sometimes some kids just have that certain thing, or certain parts of their lives connect with one parent uh, in in really special ways. And clearly, Gianna and Kobe had a a, a bond that you know was built in part around basketball um, that was different than some of the other kids had. I mean, you know, those kids have different bonds with Kobe and special things as well. And when, when Vanessa talked about how like they needed to go together, like this is like, even God understood that the two of them couldn't be separated from each other. Like that, the moments like that were just sort of this reminder. It kind of brought you back right back to that place of, of you know late january when when this happened and you know it just uh, it, it was those were it was it was it was it was a really hard thing to listen to um and and a, and a gutting thing to hear but also beautiful at the same time yeah i mean and and the energy inside staples center was i i think really touching i, I Absolutely. thought it was it was you really felt a kinship between all the people inside the building and, you know, paying, you know, paying tribute to Kobe, paying tribute to Gianna and the other seven victims of that crash. And it, when Jimmy Kimmel talked about how he was looking to try to find positives in this and, and you, you really struggle to discover what that is, and he he mentioned the idea of gratitude, as he was talking, one of the things that actually jumped out at me, Brian, was just the idea of Los Angeles has really felt unified in this tragedy, like across the city. Like this is something that really everybody has felt in all walks of, you know, LA proper and the surrounding areas because, you know, the Kobe's family, you know, they have a real presence in Orange County, which is you know, sure. further outside LA. But then, you know, Kobe was obviously, you know, he's indelible with what has become sort of the the new downtown Los Angeles, you know, with the you know, the building up of Staples Center and LA Live and the, you know, this area that, you know, I, I've lived in LA long enough to remember when there was a parking lot. Yeah. There was Go back and look at the, 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 the celebrations after the, the 2000 title or was it 99? 2000. Like that was like, 
outside Staples Center at a parking lot, right? Which but is I, what this I'm, was. I'm talking even before that. Before Staples, I'm, ta- sure. I'm talking like when downtown was just this desolate wasteland. I mean, there right. was pre-Staples. Yeah, there was nothing happening down mm-hmm. here at all. And you know, in the meantime, Kobe and Vanessa's foundation, you know, they re- one of the things that they had looked to tackle was the homelessness crisis in Los Angeles. And you know, they had stations in Hollywood and, and Santa Monica. You know, I believe in addition to downtown and Kobe seeing this in the downtown area, Skid Row, you know, he's talked about this is what inspired him in the first place. Like it's really dawned on me in, you know, in the wake of his death, just how much of an Angelino Kobe had and his family had really become. And, you know, like I, I was listening to a podcast of a friend of ours who is not into sports at all. I mean, he does not have the slightest interest in any sport, period. But the topic of Kobe's death came up on his podcast just because he lives in LA. Yeah. It's, there was a, you know, beyond the murals and you see this and, you know, where we live in mid city, um, you, they're, they're all over the place. You drive up, you know, I drive up Fairfax, take my kids to school, drive back down La Brea, you know, go home and all these other things. And then there's probably 10 murals just on these two streets. And, you know, you start to see the impact. I mean, one of the things that I thought were, was profound about the day, and you think about what you know, what was the atmosphere like inside the building? Well, you have obviously people who knew Kobe very deeply, very intimately, played against him, played with him, were uh, his coaches, were his, you know, Jerry West was in the building and all that. So there's people who know him on that regard. There are people like us who worked around him professionally, but didn't know him on, you know, weren't personal friends with Kobe. And then there are other people inside the media who kind of were uh, over time became personal friends. And then the rest of the building are people who never met him or might have met him twice or once or three times, but they knew him like just as Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, might have met him at a book signing or a shoe thing or outside the stadium one day or bumped into him in Orange County, whatever it might be. And all of these people are here in the same place because he had an impact on them in that way. And you only do that if you have 20 years in one place where, you know, if a, 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 pl- a fan can start at age 10 with your career and finish at age 30 and you're like, you're going through the whole thing. Like they become part of your life in the same way that, a, you know, you know, your, your family does your movie franchise. Like it's just a constant. Well, it's also too, I mean, it's, it's unusual to have somebody achieve so much with an organization that's so iconic in a city like this, you know, that has, you know, a lot of legend uh, and mythology attached to it itself, but also, you know, you really watched Kobe grow and change a lot. You know, yep. he, he went from literally a teenager, you know, in an adult profession to an adult with children and then, you know, a, a second life that was extremely successful outside of basketball. And, you know, we, you know, we covered Kobe for the last 10 years of his career. And just in those 10 years, we saw changes in yeah, Kobe, in, whole in, his, in his demeanor and the way he interacted with us and the way he interacted with teammates, with just, you know, other people. And that's happening as people who are fans, they're changing in their own life. Like you, you are evolving as a person as you're watching this figure right. like Kobe evolve. And that's really unique. It's, 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 and it's, it's almost impossible to recreate that. I mean, you know, maybe you have the opportunity to do that in Dallas with Dirk or something like, you know, they're just, you, there's a maybe certain, Dodger fans hope for that with Clayton Kershaw. There's a certain set of circumstances that have to be, but even Kershaw is not indelible in the, 
in the the impact he's no. had on what we think about athletes. So for there's I mean the winning uh, in the same way. And that's a big part of it. Yeah, and but like you know you go through the stuff with Kobe and it's the amount of sheer amount of time that he spent with people um, gives you an idea. Like we we just got off the air with uh, doing our you know our, our work with uh, seven ten ESPN the the radio affiliate for the Lakers locally. And you were taking calls from people and you're hearing a story of the time I met Kobe in 96 and the time I met Kobe in 2006 and the time I met Kobe in, you know, 2012, like as they were coming here and he was sort of old guy coming off the Achilles, whatever it is. And like, that's an enormous stretch of time, like that you could have Kobe stories to tell. So that I thought was a theme that ran through the other really profound moment. I want to mention uh, Jimmy Kimmel uh, during his thing before he started introducing speakers reference the Bryants and, and their Catholic faith um, and noted there's a thing in, in, in church services and mass services where you do uh, the the peace, the offering of peace and you shake hands with the people around you and you say hello and you, you know, and, and all that. And it was, I used to, the first time I, I, I did a long-term sub job in a Catholic school, we're, we're both Jewish, um, at least I am. <laughs> Pretty sure you also I grew am. up in the same house. I am. Um, so I didn't know about this and like, I thought it was, weird like all of a sudden like these people turn to shake my hand and say peace be with you and i'm, I'm like and i'm just sort of like hey you too <laughs> like I, I didn't know what to do but this actually became something i was like you know what like i you know you know not, not this isn't my team but i like this this is kind of cool and he made the point that mass and sporting events are really the only time anybody ever does that so like when something awesome happens at the game you're watching you, the people behind you, you're high-fiving the people like that's the, the equivalence. And so they did, he had people do that. Um, and I thought that was really cool and kind of a, a, a reminder as well of what sports can be for strangers. And to your point of unifying the city, I think that's part of it. Like it's kind of one thing we could all agree on that you like Kobe, you dislike Kobe, you argue about Kobe. He was polarizing but he was our guy and our being LA. Like he was our guy and like we're allowed to hate him. What? But if you hate him over there for the, especially for the wrong reasons, we're going to come well, and defend here, our guy. Well, here's the thing too. I mean just, you know, he he like you said that he's he's our guy in Los Angeles. But it was also impossible not to have a reaction to Kobe. Like no, I never so met you, there was nobody who didn't have an opinion. Yeah, I never met anybody who was like, "Eh, Kobe, yeah. All right. It's, I mean, I, haven't, right. I haven't. I have not no. really given much thought to that. No, that guy. But like the one, like that was the thing. It's like Kobe. I, mean, I think you know, in this sort of post-death period, it's like the, the how polarizing he was has been kind of overlooked. But it's like the one, like Kobe got everybody to agree in at least in one way. We're like we were all going to argue about Kobe. Like that was he was unifying even in that regard. Like we're going to argue about him. Yeah. So um, it was. It really was a, a quite a remarkable day. Uh, the performances were were amazing. The speakers were amazing. Um, I, I want to though turn now because Sunday after the Celtics game, in anticipation of today, Lakers have a, a, a tough game Tuesday against the Pelicans. They have a, a, a tough schedule coming up. They see Utah. They see Milwaukee. Milwaukee. The Clippers. The Clippers. Like there's a lot coming up here. And <clears throat> excuse me. A, a, a few players were asked sort of about this because it really did bring people right back to the beginning. I think a lot of people, you could see it on the faces of the people that were that were being shown on the screens at, at Staples. 
like what comes from here because the pressure that is developed i think around the city the the the, the narrative or the the theme of win it for kobe that's tough like that's the lakers are not a dominant team they are a very good one with a very good chance of escaping the western conference and having a chance to play for a title but they're not dominant they're not a team that you would expect to just romp through the playoffs or make them the prohibitive favorites um in the west at least not for me and so now you start adding these other layers do you think it's andy more helpful or harmful is it possible to even no i well i mean i in some ways, I think it's a moot point because I don't think the team is going to actively put that type of pressure or or goal on their shoulders. Like I, like, no, I don't think winning like, for Kobe I, is going to become a I, mantra in the locker that's, room. But that's what I'm saying. Like to some degree, this becomes something that you know fans are projecting onto the team as but opposed to them projecting pro- but if on themselves. It's being projected enough onto them. Doesn't does it? I think they're. I think it's it? something. I think it's something that would be there whether they were feeling that or it was being projected onto them or not because the timing of it makes it impossible, I think, to separate. I mean, they, they were looking yeah. to win a championship anyway. They're in extreme win-now mode anyway. And you know, th- this is, at least that we know of, their best realistic opportunity to win a championship that we know in the near future because it's the one staring right at in them in the of. face. Doesn't get easier. Golden State's right. better next year. Other teams so get I, better, sure. So I... I I understand what you're saying, but I, I feel like the in in some ways it's only there if they decide to put it on themselves because the, there was that 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 element of Kobe is going to be attached to it no matter what. Like I mean, and and it comes out in different ways. Like you know, the idea of just sort of being snapped back to it with the memorial. I have a piece that uh, ran today for the Athletic about what um, the addition of Markeith Morris could potentially do positively or negatively for Kyle Kuzma. And, you know, when I was talking with our editors about when to have this piece go, there was a part of me wondering, like, okay, should it go today? Like, today's the day of memorial. Like, you know, is is it either inappropriate or is it something that fans won't be interested in? But then I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? This is going to be a thing throughout the season where it feels like we're being snapped back to this tragedy with Kobe. And ultimately, the season moves forward. I mean, there, there was no more stark reminder of this, Brian, than the trade deadline happening less than a week afterwards. I mean, you know, Rob, Rob Palinka had to make calls with the Knicks, you know, talking about potentially acquiring Marcus Morris. He's still grieving his best friend. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, This stuff moves forward and Kobe's going to be, you know, a part of it. Sort of no matter how anybody treats it, it's really just the matter of you know, how much do you put it on yourself? And at some point you sort of become accustomed to it. But I mean, I asked Kyle Kuzma after Sunday's game, like, how do you, you know, he was asked, you know, how do you kind of take in this memorial and kind of get back to work on Tuesdays? And he, he, the way he literally phrased it was, a, yeah, I think, a little awkward. But what he meant was, you know, I kind of put it, he said, I sort of put it on the back burner or the back of my mind. Not that he didn't care, but it's like I got I got I've got a game on Tuesday. I've got the the Bucks coming up. I've got the Jazz coming up. I've got the Clippers coming up. Like the season keeps going, and you know you you go back to that space for today, and then you go right back to kind of okay. There'll be time to really grieve or really mourn even more. So get back into that or really wreck it at the end of the year. Um, 
but they're not going to be allowed to forget it. They're not, I mean, not that they want to, but like the players are not going to be ever be in a position where somebody's not going to, the MVP channel, like yesterday, Sunday against the Celtics, people were chanting Kobe, like during the game, which I get. And it's, you could look at it as both inspirational, but also like, I, it's, it's, that's, that's, that's a tough thing to hear. You know, MVP could be talking about LeBron. You could be talking about, Anthony AD. Davis could be talking about Caruso. Could be talking about Caruso. The way Avery Bradley's been shooting the ball lately, you're talking about him. But they're not chanting that. They're chanting Kobe. And Kobe is a very specific thing in this city. And I, I just, I, I hope fans give them the space to not feel like you're somehow disappointing or uh, let, you know, uh, doing wrong by the legacy of Kobe to not win a title this year. I mean, look, I, I got to we'll, hope. I will get a better idea of it when we get closer to the playoffs for what it's worth. I have not seen a ton of that sentiment, but we'll see. We'll see when we get closer. Yeah. Um, all right. So a lot to look forward to with the Lakers. Uh, again, we, we talked about it in the, the podcast uh, that we recorded Sunday for Monday. It, you know, Markeith Morris is coming, like what he does. They're entering a, a, a tricky part of the schedule. So plenty to talk about. Uh, it was a beautiful day at Staples Center. It was sad. It was remarkable. It was uh, moving. It was all of those things. Um, well worth checking out and reading about. Uh, and we'll see everybody next week for more Magic Hour. <laughs>